Palm Sunday. If you're able, would you stand with us as we begin to worship the Lord today? Let's lift him up in praise.
Hallelujah. Hosanna to the highest. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Amen. Hosanna's right up there with hallelujah. Giving Jesus the highest praise. And he's worthy, isn't he, church? Can we praise him collectively? Let's praise the Lord. Amen. Let the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Things we can do too much of, but you know what? You can't praise God too much. He loves it. He deserves it. It honors Him. We should always pay homage to our God every chance we get. I chose scripture today that exemplifies what this day is all about. Palm Sunday. In John chapter 12, starting with verse 12 of the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. It says, On the morrow a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried out. Let's all say it together, church. Hosanna! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus, having found a young ass, sat thereon as is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The multitude, therefore, was with them when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead. They bear witness. For this cause also the multitude went and met him, for they heard that he had done this thing. Let us bow our heads as we go before the Lord in prayer, thanking him for our wonderful Jesus, what he did for us because he loved us, because his Father God loves us. We are so blessed. Amen. Praise God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you so much. We feel your presence here today, dear God. We've been ushered into your presence with the beautiful music that we just heard. Hosanna is what we cry out to you every day of our life. For you are worthy of our We exalt thee, Lord Jesus. Our hearts cry out to you in adoration, in humility. We ask today that you will look down upon us, Father God, and realize how much we need you, that we realize how needy we are, that without you we can do nothing. For it is in you that we live, in you that we move, in you that we have our very being. We need you, God. More than anything else in the world, like a drowning man needs water, we gasp for you. Fill us with your breath. Fill us with your Holy Spirit today and every day for the rest of our lives. We ask, dear God, that you forgive us of all sins that we've committed, those of omission, commission. We ask, dear God, as we confess them unto you, that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness as you forgive us. That is your promise to us. And we thank you loving us so much to forgive us of our sins daily. Lord, we ask that you keep us safe from hurt, harm, and all danger. There's a lot of that out there, dear God. 
but you said you would give your angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways, that you would cover us with your feathers so that under your wings we could trust your truth is our shield, your truth is our buckler, that we need not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrows that fly up by day, nor the pestilence that walk up in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes up at noonday. And though a thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, Father, you said it will not come nigh thee. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for letting us know, dear God, that you got it. We're covered by the promises of God. We ask that you bless everyone, dear Lord, who can hear our voices, those that are here and those that are safely at home watching. Lord, bless them all like you did Jabez. Bless them indeed. Enlarge their territories for the good. And Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you will just strengthen us and encourage us. Help us to always have hope in you and in your promises. And let us be led by those promises. Order our steps, dear God, by your word. This we humbly ask. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Can we say amen, church? Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Hey, CTC family. I'm Chrissy, and here's this week's news. Easter is just one week away, and we have a full schedule of events, including a crosswalk, Good Friday, and sunrise services at both campuses, and our CTC Kids Easter extravaganza at the Bear Campus, and the return of our in-person 11 a.m. service at Bear. To see the full schedule, including times and places, visit our website and click on Events. Immediately following the Good Friday service and continuing through the beginning of our sunrise service, we are calling our church to pray around the clock during that 36-hour period of time. You can choose to come to the church or pray from wherever you are. We are asking that people sign up for a half-hour time slot and be in prayer for our church, our community, and our Easter services. To sign up, go to our website and click on Events. On Sunday, April 11th, at both 9 and 11 a.m. at the Bear Campus, our CTC Kids Ministry will be open again for ages infant through fourth grade. Little lambs, infant through four years old, will have childcare for the entire service. CTC Kids, kindergarten through fourth grade, will begin worship in the celebration room, and they will go to their activity when the message begins. For more information, contact Tony Rayfield at trayfield at ctcde.church. For more information on these and other events, including how to sign up to get your COVID vaccine, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church. Or, if you are worshiping online, you can hit the Request Prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Good morning. It is so good to see you this day and great is the Lord and greatly to be praised as we gather to celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we always want to connect with you. So if you're seated at a table, 
or if you're seated in a chair, there is a connect card that you can fill out, and we ask that you fill out for every person that is at your table who is, or who is seated next to you at your bench. On your connect card, you may also list prayer concerns. If you're worshiping with us online, you may find a connect button where you are able to do the same thing. We welcome you into God's house, a house where we get to lift his name on high and worship him from the time we walk through the door until the time we're safely wherever we're going on our return. If you're new here in the room, outside of the Welcome Center on your left, you'll find a Welcome Center where a member of our pastoral care staff will come and greet you and give you a welcome gift. Or if you're new and attending online, please click the New Here button and we'll ask for some information, which of course is confidential and private. And we'll be sure to reach out to you after this worship experience is over. As we transition into a time of giving, it's really important to remember that as we celebrate this Passover season, the Easter, which culminates in Easter and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, that we're just giving back a portion to God of what he has given to us. And that's just money. But when we think about Jesus' last return to Jerusalem, what he gave up for us. And it's funny because the disciples didn't know. Jesus knew. The people who were plotting Jesus' demise knew. But as the Bible says, what man means for good, God works it out in our favor. So Jesus gave his life so that we could have eternal life, and there is no greater gift than that. So there's an offering envelope on your table where you may give back to God a portion of what he's given to you. If you're worshiping with us online, there's a give button. You may give a one-time gift or a recurring gift. And the Bible also reminds us to be a cheerful giver. When the widow gave her two mites, God honored that because she gave more than she had when rich men were just throwing out the change in their pockets. So pressed down, shaken together, God will bless us back. And we'll see it. We'll see it quite visibly in the tangible things that our offering does in our communities, local and abroad. So let's be the hands and feet that Jesus asked us to be, to share the light with those who are eternally lost. If you would, please stand up while we pray for the offering. Oh, Father God, we sing Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. Lord, we know that you're a mighty God. And we love you. We worship you. We glorify you. We magnify your holy name. The gifts that we give, Lord, may they be used for the upkeep of your kingdom. May they be used to bless others. And to share your light with the world. We ask, Father God, that you just bless us and bless the gift and bless the giver. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Please stand while we continue in worship. God's love makes us alive, doesn't it? His love awakens us and brings new life to us. Amen? Let's worship Him today. to make when you rode into Jerusalem triumphantly on that donkey 
Lord, you knew what was coming. Lord Jesus, you willingly laid your life down for us. And as we move throughout this day and this coming week, help us to understand, God, just how much it cost you to come and rescue us. Lord, we thank you for being the best father that we could ever imagine. Lord, those of us who are dads, we try our best, but Lord, we can only do so much. But God, you are the best. You are a good, good
Amen. Hallelujah. Let us go before our good, good Father. That's who I am. That's who He is. The great I am. And we come humbly before His throne of grace. Where He says we can obtain mercy and find grace in our times of need. And right now, dear God, we need to hear from you. I said we need a word from the Lord today. We ask, dear God, that you'll just, from heaven, bring forth your desires and your knowledge, your wisdom, your words that you want us to hear. Bring it through Pastor Roger, dear God, as he comes before us to present this word. He's well studied. He has been working on this sermon, I know, all week long. And yet, dear God, he needs you. He's depending on you, on the Holy Spirit, to to give him that final oomph to bring that word to us. He's open to you, dear God. He wants you to influence him. He depends on the anointing of the Holy Spirit, as we all should. Use him mightily, dear God. Open the windows of our understanding. Give us ears that hear and, and eyes that see these wonderful words on your in your Bible and Lord just open the eyes of our heart so that we can hear what thus saith the Lord now Father we also ask that you bless those of us who have gone on to be a few in heaven we've lost a lot of good folks lately dear God but Lord we haven't really lost them because they're with you in heaven we pray that they will hear these good words also as our pastor comes forth and tells us what thus saith the Lord as you've given it to him you give to us. We thank you for him. We thank you for First Lady Carolyn. Bless them mightily. We thank you for the love that they bestow upon us. They are truly your servants. We are blessed. We thank you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. transforming us and Jesus is changing us from the inside outwardly. Beautiful song we just sang. Uh, It's a good, good father. I'm Roger. Some of you know that. I'm Roger. I'm a human. I do good things. I do bad things. I try to follow Jesus. I slip, (laughs) I stumble, I fall at times. That's who I am. But there's one other thing that I am, and we just sang that. And it is, I am loved by God, our good, good Father. 
Are you loved? So I, asked, I, said, I introduced myself and said, I am Roger and I'm this, but I am loved. I want you to say, I am loved too. Not me, but you. I am loved. Again, I am loved. So my name is Roger, and I know that I do horrible things at times, but Jesus forgives me, and I am loved, and I'd like to know who you are. Who are you? <laughs> I am Janelle. I am Janelle, and I am loved. I am Pastor Vaughn, and I am loved. So I'm Roger, and who are you? I am loved. Welcome, loved one. Glad you're here. Glad you're here today. This week, as we are entering, getting closer to Easter, this is traditionally that we call it Easter week. And it's a time when we remember the the activities of Jesus. And particularly today, Palm Sunday, we remember that occasion when Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on that colt. And the people shouted to him. And in our language, they would have been shouting these words, Save us! Save us! Save us! But in their language, it sounded like this. Hosanna. 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 Well, let's say it in our language. Jesus comes in and let's shout together. Save us. Save us. Save us. What do we experience in our lives that causes us to say, oh, God, save me? Have you gotten to that point yet in your life? I hope so. We all have to get to that point. We're all experiencing something where we have to shout out to God, Save me, God. I cannot do this myself. Pastor Vaughn, puts, whenever he introduces me and prays for me, he puts all these accolades in front of... Last night he called me Pastor, Doctor, Reverend, whatever. I am loved. <laughs> he just said, it's who you are. I said, I am loved. And uh, here comes our pastor. Loved by God. Esther, Esther, uh, you know, I don't, yeah, okay, I, you say all the accolades you want, and, you know, I earned the degree and whatever it is, it is what it is. <laughs> and you mean honor. You honor me with that, and I thank you for that honor. I am loved. And so are you. So we remember as Jesus came into Jerusalem that they, they were shouting to him, save us. But by the end of that week, by Friday, he was dead. He was killed. And can you imagine the, the, the one who you are calling out to save me and a few days after that? I was depending on you, Jesus. What did you do to me? You're not who you say you are. Why should I follow you anymore? And indeed, all of Jesus' followers were asking that question. And we'll, we'll get to that experience later this week. And I encourage you to come and join us this week for the crosswalk. Uh, go online and sign up for the prayer vigil that is, that is happening. And, and the prayer vigil begins on sunset on Friday. And we're not going to stop our time of prayer until sunrise and the crosswalk that we do is, is, is going to be very different than the way that we've traditionally done it here in the past. And I've got some more purpose for us to do that. So what I'm asking you to do is come with an open mind and a willingness 
to when we gather together for the crosswalk. And yes, we're going to do some walking. We'll do uh, we'll walk about a, a mile and a half, carrying cross. And and it'll be an opportunity for us to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. But I've got some other uh, purpose for us to do in the crosswalk. So I invite families to come and join us in that too. I think it'll be an enjoyable time. But when we're done with the walking, we'll land back here and we'll land out on the uh, on the field. Uh, under a tent, we'll land whoop, like we're on an airplane. And uh, we're going to have a service on Friday night. Service will begin at 7 o'clock. So if you don't want to come to do the walk, just show up at 7 o'clock for the service and we'll have an outdoor service. But at sunset, and that will begin our prayer vigil, a time for prayer. And I don't care when you pray. You don't have to sign up for the prayer vigil. God doesn't care what time we pray. We just need to be a church that prays. And so let's take time this weekend. And that time between the time when Jesus, when we remember Jesus was put into the grave, and the time when we celebrate His his life being given back to Him and therefore being given back to us. Let's be in prayer for one another, for our world, for whatever it is. So I invite you to do that. Then gather Easter morning at sunrise, and then we'll have worship at 9 o'clock. And in-person worship again. At 11 o'clock. Did you hear that? In-person worship at 11 o'clock. And then every week after that, we're going to continue our 11 o'clock in-person worship. So, yay! It's been a whole year since we've, we've had that. So we're excited in-person worship. We, we, we love the online. So glad. And we're going to keep the online. And God has blessed us to be able to increase our, our reach through our online ministry. And so welcome to you, everybody who's online and uh, Hopes to stay, but if you're able to come here in person, we would love to see you in person. We've got a great group of people here this morning. This is what we're doing this week. The crosswalk uh, reminds us as, in part as to what Jesus did for, to, did for us. The transformation that He is bringing to us. And, and Jesus is... Uh, so, so let's remember as we've gone through this series... Uh, the teachings that Jesus has been giving to us. Um, And several weeks ago, we started this series and we remembered this, that this is this transformation from inside out is a is a process that God is doing in our lives. And so it's this transformation and the process begins with each of us realizing our need for God, God, I need you. The people in Jerusalem, as Jesus came in, they realized they needed a Savior. They said, save us. We need, realize our need for God. And then we talked about the mourning process. That, that when we realize our need for God, we realize what we've been missing. And that's grief. That brings mourning. And we need to name those things. And that's mourning our losses. And then we humble ourselves before God because we know... Oh, God, I need you, and this is what I've lost in my life. And you're the one who can provide it. I'm coming to you, God, because you are that great, great father of all people. Some of us are saying, Lord, I need a father because my human father wasn't there for me. So teach me what a good, good father is. So we humble ourselves before God. As we humble ourselves before God, we're hungering and thirsting for a right relationship with God. We're right relationships with one another for righteous living. 
And God continues to transform us from the inside out. And these first four things that we've really are an inside work in, in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts. And then the amazing thing happens. And this is the transformation from the inside. And we see how it begins to work out in our lives. And then we read last week, we got to show mercy to others. How can we show mercy to others unless we have been shown mercy by God? And so we have, to, we have to go through these steps in order to show mercy to others. And today we get to two other Beatitudes. Purify your hearts and work for peace. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. That is the basis for our series today. And read once, once again, starting with verse 3. And, and again, this is the blessing that God brings to us and this transforming work that Jesus is doing in us is the process for God bringing that blessing to us. He says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, they will be comforted. God blesses those who humble themselves, who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for right for justice, for they will be satisfied. And God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So we get uh, verse 8. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. So those are the two. We have one more next week, and we'll, we'll end our uh, series on Easter. So we're ending today with these, with verses nine, uh, eight, and nine. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And God blesses those who work for peace. Let's talk about these, this purity. And then we'll talk about the peace that Jesus gives to us. What is this purity? In a few words, this purity is a clean heart. A clean heart. A clear conscience. A heart that, is, that does not experience guilt for what we have done because we have missed the mark that God has called us to be. And we feel guilty for that. We know we're not right with God. It reminds me of King David. And in Psalm 51, we read a confession from King David. Now, King David, obviously, was the king of Israel. And he, in his power, had decided he had committed adultery with the wife of one of his generals in his army. And in order to cover up, and she got pregnant, and in order to cover up his missing the mark, his sin, his wrongdoing, he killed her husband. Well, he didn't do it right out directly. What he did was he said, he said to his other generals, put this general at the front of the battle, and then everybody else draw back so surely he will be killed in the battle. But that was King David's plan. 
to cover his own sin. But you can't cover things from God. God knows. And so, God's servant, a priest, or a prophet, called Nathan, came to David and told him a story. It was a story similar to what David had just done, but different enough that it caught David off guard. Then Nathan gets done telling his story, and David, King David, recognizes the wrongdoing of the person in the story, and David is angry at that man in the story. And then Nathan turns to David and says, David, you are that man. (laughs) And immediately David knew David was convicted. He knew that his sin was found out. His he, he had no clean conscience. His heart, his spirit was stained because of his actions. And in Psalm 51, we read this powerful prayer of David. I can't imagine that David confessing this was easy. David's sin was widely known. He was the king. Who dare confront the king on his wrongdoing? Well, God does. So David prays this prayer. Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of my because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. That reminds me of a Shakespeare play. Macbeth. Did somebody say it was Macbeth last night? I think that's what it was. And the and and Mac, and the the. the I don't know what her character, what her relationship is, but she's washing her hands because she has participated in the murder. And, and after that, she, she, her, the, the blood is, is physically off her hands, but every time she looks at her hands, she sees the blood. And she screams, Out! Out! Damn spots! But there's nothing on her hand, but in her mind and in her heart, she still is stained by her crime. David says, because of your great compassion, God, you take out the stain from my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt, he says. Purify me from my sin. When we sin, we need to be made pure. It changes us. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you, you alone, have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. There's only one who's just in this world, and that is God. We humans try to get justice in this world, but we always fail at it. But that doesn't mean we aren't to try. (laughs) We have to realize that God's justice is the final justice. He says, For I was born a sinner, yes, the moment from my mother conceived me. Mm. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Oh God, I pray for the unborn children who 
in their mother's womb, you are giving them wisdom. Oh God, I pray for unborn children. He says, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy for life again, God. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Sin ruins our lives. We were created to be clean and cleansed. And Jesus does that for us. A pure heart, Jesus says. This word pure is that clean heart. I'll tell you about it. A friend of mine has a story similar to David. My freshman year, I entered college and... um, I was assigned a roommate. Uh, I didn't ask for a single room because I didn't want to afford a single room. So I said, I need a roommate. And so the school signed me a roommate. But at at freshman orientation, when we all arrived on campus, my roommate did not show up. He was a no-show. So for a few nights, I had a room to myself. But they were going to charge me a single room uh, unless I had a roommate. I said, well, I don't know who the roommate is. Well, we'll find one for you. And so they... Look, 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 you, you know that I'm not athletic. I tell you that often. And, and I'm just, I'm a klutz when it comes to sports. I like music. I like people. I like relationships. I like connecting with people. I'm good at those kinds of things. Forget sports. I lose all my confidence. <laughs> I'm the last one picked. <laughs> And I'm happy to be the last one picked. (laughs) It's all right. But I need a roommate. And guess who they give me? They give me a jock. I mean, this guy. We'll call him Tom. And if you hear me say another word, another name, forget it. (laughs) Because this guy from, from, from Wisconsin... Star high school athlete. I mean, he had thighs that were like this, knees that were like this. He was a biker, a a, a, a road biker. He was a black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, He was was a, a state champion track sprinter. He... He was the, I don't know if he was the quarterback. I'm sure he was the quarterback of his high school football team. He took ballet to improve his athletics. He was committed. He was handsome. He was strong. We would say he's fit (laughs) in our world today. You're putting me with this guy? What kind of a friendship can we have? He became a Christian when he was 16. His Taekwondo teacher uh, led him to faith in Jesus. So by the time he was 18 and he came to the college that I was coming, a Christian college that I attended, he had only been a, a Christian for a couple of years. 
But he was very mature in his faith because he'd had good teaching and good guidance. And in college, because it was a Christian college, we were encouraged to join, uh, to join groups of other guys who, who were studying Bible together, praying together. And so he joined a, a group that they, were, they held themselves accountable pretty strictly to a number of things. And they had to read the Bible and pray a certain number of times a day. They had to gather together uh, for breakfast once a, once a week that lasted a couple of uh, 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 an hour and a half or maybe two hours. Uh, they committed that they would attend church every week someplace. They committed that they would use their gifts and their abilities in service to God and others. And so they were expected to be in ministry somehow. And, and Tom was, he was all over that. And we built a great friendship. I was not in his group. I was in other groups doing, those, doing similar things. And our faith was growing. And we, we, we shared a, a, a great camaraderie together. We graduated from college together. He went off to South Africa to become a missionary for a couple of years. During those years, I got married, so he didn't get to uh, participate in in my wedding and to Carolyn, but but he got married before he went off to South Africa, and I was in his wedding. We were friends. We lost touch over the years. We'd write now and then. When his children were born and it was time for them to get baptized, we drove from Pennsylvania to Wisconsin for the baptism. But we'd lose touch now and then. And I knew that Russ struggled with depression, but he never did tell me why he struggled with depression. I knew that as a teenager he was sexually active until he became a Christian and he said, God doesn't want me to do that. So I've got to hold back on this. And he did. He was glad to get married and, to, and he confined his, his, the expression of his sexuality to his marriage for a time. And he got a job after they came back from South Africa. His major was English and so he got a job in the public school teaching English. But he started using prostitutes. And he got caught in a police sting, in a police raid once. And so he got arrested for prostitution. He lost his job in the public school, obviously. He got another job. He never told me that. We'd talk now and then, and he'd said, I'm still struggling with my depression. I'll pray for you, Tom. Time went on, and his sons are growing up, and and Tom is... Uh, still struggling, we still write now and then, but then a few years later, this was probably seven or eight years ago, so we're getting closer to our time, his wife called me and said, Roger, Tom took his life last night. And they've discovered that he was arrested again in another prostitution sting. They let him out of, prison. They let him out of jail. His father bailed him out from the jail. And he was in the custody of his father last night, and he hung himself in the garage. My heart broke. I think of King David in this story. And my my, my friend Tom didn't get to the point of feeling the cleansing love of God like King David did. Where's the camera? Don't you do that.
Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. And we can try and quite successfully hide things from others. But we can't hide it from God. And it takes a tremendous amount of energy to maintain that kind of integrity in our lives. Of living that kind of dual life. Tom's wife had no idea. She knew there was trouble, but she didn't know what it was. Until that night. When he took his life, the police came to her house and they said, because of this, we have to search your home. And they found the closet where Tom was keeping his journals. And they discovered that for years he had, he had been keeping a mistress in another apartment. And that explained why suddenly they were not able to pay their mortgage. And so they were, they were perhaps years, months behind on their mortgage. Because he was hiding this. And he couldn't come clean. We've got to get clean. This purity that Jesus is talking about is this cleansing of our whole life. And Jesus forgives us of these things. It is this, this purity. But this purity also gives us a unity, a unity with God, an integrity with ourselves and with God. We cannot live dual lives. It rips families apart. It ruins careers. It destroys us as people. We can't do it. We need integrity. And integrity is part of the meaning of this word, pure. To be whole. To be standing on a foundation just like a house is built on a foundation that is pure. It has integrity. And because the foundation has integrity, you can have walls that have integrity. And then you have a second story that has integrity. And then you have a roof that is purely is pure and has integrity so that when the hurricane or the tornado comes, it takes a tremendous amount of force. It was a year ago that we had the tornado come through here. We need that purity in our lives too. And it comes from Jesus. Not only do we need this integrity as individuals, we need this integrity in the groups that we have. Our our marriages need this kind of integrity. You can't hold a marriage together with one person trying to do this and the other person trying to do that. It's going to break apart. Husband and wife are meant to be one. That's why the Bible says... What God has put together, no one can take apart. And some of us know very personally the pain when that integrity fails in a marriage. It's got to, you've got to be one. I remember when I was just starting in seminary, I wanted Carolyn needed to be the, the major breadwinner of the family so I could get my education. And so... I forced Carolyn to take a job. (laughs) Thank you for laughing. (laughs) Two brothers here just snickering. Mm, Mistake. (laughs) She came home from that job the first day crying. She went to bed crying. She woke up the next morning crying. And I said, God, we can't do this this way. 
I remember talking to one of my professors, and I said, I want my wife to have a job that's in her area that, that provides for us, but it's not working. And the professor said to me, you're trying to give Carolyn what she wants, and you're trying to get what you want over here. The two of you have got to come together and decide what's the priority here. You can't go in opposite directions. Got to have integrity. I needed to trust God in that because God was going to be the one that, that provided the job. And finally, God did in God's timing. Not only did that job that Carolyn got provide for the family, eventually it provided 50% scholarship for my education. Now, I would not have selected that for Carolyn, <laughs> but God has better plans than we do. We can trust God. And we had to come together as one with integrity. Families have to have integrity. And the integrity of a family is founded on the integrity of the marriage. You can't have a family hold together if that marriage is not going to hold together. It will not work. And not only in families, we need it in our other communities, in our other groups. But it is so much more difficult. We need integrity in our churches as well. And there are times in the life of a church when the winds blow and the turbulence comes and we're wondering what's going to happen here and now. And we're actually in one of those times right now as a church, as the body of Christ. But I'm pleading with us, let's stay united in integrity. Now, what am I talking about? I want to, I want to say that anybody that's new here today or new online, I'm going to, I'm going to shift a little bit and I'm going to do some kind of in-house but you get to you get to watch it <laughs> but I'm speaking to those of us who have been committed here for a long time uh, we're having a transition and the transition that we're experiencing immediately is a transition in our in our worship leadership but that transition in our worship leadership really is a result of a transition that started five years ago when Pastor Paul announced that he would be retiring someday. And so this is kind of the fallout of things. And I knew that when I came here, everybody that was on staff at that time would not be on staff all the time that I would be here, just because that can't happen. And so we will be going through transition. As people decide, no, I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready to go. And a couple of weeks ago, I announced to you by email, if you're on our email list, you received it. If, if, please check your spam because many of you are on, uh, on our email list and you get messages from the church, but you don't even know it because they're going to your spam. So, so look for messages from ctcde.church in your spam folder and put it in your contacts list so that it will come through spam. But I, I sent out an email the same day. Uh, that Diane made the announcement, and I, and then we, we we quickly put out a paper letter that was identical to the uh, the email that I sent out. So I want to read that letter, parts of that letter to you. It says, "I'm writing to this. I said this said this two weeks ago to announce another transition. Diane Baker has been our worship and praise team leader at the Bear Campus for a little more than 20 years. She's shared with us her passion for worship, music, and God's love." She has helped us lift our hearts, our hands, our voices in praise of God with excellence and creativity. And we thank God for Diane. Can you say that? <laughs> we thank God 
for Diane. And with gratitude for her service, I tell you that she has decided that it's time for her to step down out of that role as worship leader. And I said in my letter, her resignation is effective today. And I said, this announcement may seem abrupt, but the decision certainly is not made hastily. Diane and I have had several conversations over the past years about this decision, and we're, uh, we agree about the timing of this decision. And we ask you to express your gratitude in ways that you feel appropriate. And as the congregation will be honoring her appropriately after we have some time to plan. And we pray for Diane and Ed in this decision. We pray for the entire worship and praise team, because just as many people in our church are feeling the loss and feeling it, the other singers that were not here today, but our singers today are Bill and Debbie. And you are our singers today. Somebody asked me, where are our singers? Well, they're standing right here. <laughs> These are our singers. And so we pray for the worship team, all of them who for nearly 20 years have sang right beside Diane. They have prayed with Diane. They built friendships with Diane. So this is a difficult transition for them too. So I ask you to pray for all of us, for all of them. I ask you to absolutely refrain from any gossip and speculation. As the devil seeking to get in and break us apart and ruin the integrity of the unity in Jesus Christ that we enjoy. Stay away. Run from gossip. If you don't know it, you might not know it just because it might not be your business. Stay away from gossip. Now, how do we go forward with unity? Here's how. Pastor Bill will be leading us in worship, and I have full confidence in his abilities. He will be inviting others to join the praise team, which may include past members. And like every ministry and church, we want all of you to use your skills, your passions, your abilities in ministry to others in the name of Jesus Christ. So that all people will experience Christ's life-changing love. That's our goal. That is our goal. The purpose of music and worship is only one way that we praise God and witness the message of Jesus Christ to others. And our music will continue to be in styles that is generally heard on the radio today. And as a church, we continue our mission to love God and all people so that all people will experience the life-changing love of Jesus. Worship nurtures faith. You know, we all come to worship. And I want to make an analogy about worship. And I want to compare worship coming together as the body of Christ in worship to going to Grandma's house for Sunday lunch. <laughs> We've all done that, I hope. And when you go to Grandma's house, you get there. Grandma has not prepared for you a, a smorgasbord that has five different kinds of meat Fifteen kinds of vegetable casseroles, fourteen kinds of pies, and fifty-nine beverage choices. Grandma does not do that. <laughs> Grandma decides to cook the roast beef. 
Grandma decides how she's going to cook it. Grandma decides how she's going to season it. Grandma decides whether or not she's going to have mashed potatoes or macaroni and cheese or maybe both. But Grandma doesn't ask everybody, what do you you want today? Grandma instead prepares a meal out of her love because she loves you. She knows that whatever she's prepared for you is good for you. She is not going to put anything on the table that's going to hurt you. She wants to nurture your life, not take it. And so she invites you to come to my table and let's fellowship together and let's eat and let's be nourished. And you come to the table and it's right for you to eat what Grandma has prepared. (laughs) And when our children, young as they are, might get to the table and somebody passes the Brussels sprouts that Grandma has brought and one of our children says, Ew! Brussels sprouts! Or broccoli or cauliflower or whatever it might be. Carrots! As long as they have enough sugar on them, they go down so much easier. (laughs) And then we teach our children, no, don't insult Grandma. She loves you. And she has prepared this meal for your help. Worship is like that in the body of Christ. Who God calls to give leadership in the church, God gives the responsibility of setting the table for worship. And those whom God calls to lead worship do not ask everybody, what are you hungry for today? And there is no way we can, we, we can create a smorgasbord of worship. We set a table and we invite you to come. The worship leader selects some songs that we believe are appropriate. We work throughout the week. I'm not the only one that studies in preparation for worship. Every person on staff works so that when you gather here, there's a table set. Sometimes we serve Brussels sprouts. Sometimes we put too much salt on it. (laughs) We get a little salty now and then. All we ask is let's come together as the family of God in unity, placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to make it through this transition. God is good to us. God is leading us. God is leading Diane. God is with Diane and all the praise team. And it's good. We need to have integrity. This is part of the purity that Jesus is talking about. It's an individual purity. It's a communal purity. It's a congregational purity. It's a family purity that He gives to us. Now we've got to move on to peace. I'm way over. Let's talk about peace. This will be quick. (laughs) Blessed are those who make peace. Blessed are those who work for peace. Talk about this peace. I want to go to Colossians chapter. 3, verses 12 through 15, which is where we will just describe the peace that Jesus gives to us. I want you to read these words with me. Get them on screen. There we go. 
Read these out loud with me, if you would, please. Since God chose you to be the holy people. Stop there. (laughs) Holy. Pure. Set aside. God says, be holy as I am holy. This is something that we cannot do on our own. We've got to have Jesus with us to be holy. He's the one that cleanses us. He's the one that purifies us. He's the one that makes us holy. Nobody else can do that. So let's read again. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves. You've got to put your own clothes on. <laughs> You've got to pick up these things that he's going to say, and you've got to put it on. Just like you've got to change that underwear. Nobody else is going to change that underwear for you. You've got to do it, please. <laughs> you've got to clothe yourselves with what? Tender-hearted mercy. Oh, let's be tender with each other. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Look at this next one. Make allowance for each other's faults. What does it mean to make allowance? What does that mean? We give our children an allowance. Does that mean does it have the same meaning? Is this what that means? What does it mean to make allowance? It means to make a space for it. Is there space in this church for your faults? Are you going to allow me to have my faults and you're going to make a space for it? And I don't mean excuses. <laughs> don't make excuses for me. But just make a little space for my faults. I was, had, a, had a church meeting once, and, and I was teaching this. And it was just the leaders of the church, and I wanted them to experience what it means to make a space for people's faults. And so in the room that we were meeting, there was a large conference table. And in the middle of that conference table, I hung a big fishnet that covered the entire space of the table hung from the ceiling. And on the side of that fishnet, I printed out some letters, and it says, Make allowance for one another's faults. Printed on the side of this fishnet. I gave everybody a piece of paper in the meeting. I gave everybody a pencil, and I said, Okay, what I want you to do is I want you to pick somebody or a couple people in the room, and I want you to write down on that paper what they do that irritates you. That's a fun church activity to do, isn't it? Gulp. I'm going to look at my paper. I said, we're not going to share these papers, but I want you to be honest. Has anybody in this room ever bothered you? Have you ever observed a fault in somebody else? Well, it doesn't take long to fill up your paper. So we wrote our little things. Nobody looked. No cheaters. I said, okay. I want you to crumple that paper up. And we looked at this verse. And I said, here's our space for our faults of one another. Throw your papers up into that and let it go. Just let it go. And we make allowance for each other's faults. He says that. And forgive anyone who offends you. Does it say any place in here that when they come and ask for forgiveness, then forgive them who offend you. Does it say that? Is that squeezed in between the lines here at all? 
Thank you, Pastor Vaughn. <laughs> he does not say that. You do not need to wait for the person to ask for forgiveness in order for you to forgive them. Jesus never says that. Jesus just says, forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, put on that robe of love. Put on that shirt of love. Put on those socks of love. <laughs> All the way down. I already mentioned underwear once. I'm not going to do it again. Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Could we also say unity? Could we also say peace? Where'd that word go? There it is. Thank you, Rich. That Rich back there. What was the next verse? Go ahead, Rich. Now you can go. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule. Rule. Control. Guide. Direct. In your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Lord Jesus, this, these Beatitudes in Matthew have such power in them to transform not only our lives, but the world. The entire world. But we've got to put them into practice. We've got to trust Jesus. We've got to receive. We sang that song, I am loved. You're a good, good father. God forgives you. Jesus forgives you all your sins. Trust Him. Live with Him. Be with Him. Follow Him. Let's pray together. I've gone over. Thank you for waiting. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, in these moments, we have an opportunity to pray. We have an opportunity to talk to You. We have an opportunity to confess that sin that we think nobody else knows but You do. We have an opportunity to grab hold of the love that You're pouring out to us through Jesus Christ and faith in Him. Father, thank You for loving us all. Jesus, thank You for dying on the cross for us. Help us speak to You in the quietness or in the song that we sing next. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're in the room here, let me invite you to stand with us as we sing our, our, our song. And let me invite you. We've got uh, uh, members of the prayer team. We don't have our candles lit. But if you want to come and, and come to the prayer stations that are to my, light, my right and uh, left, your right and left, uh, somebody will be glad to pray with you. I also invite you to come to the platform area for prayer. If you're at home, thank you for being with us this morning. And, and please, fill out the Connect card if you have prayer requests. and. I'd love to hear from you, and uh, I'll respond to you. God bless you. Let's sing.
Lord, the things that you have brought into our lives because of your great name, your grace, your mercy, your peace, purity, integrity, wisdom, all those things come from you because we acknowledge you and because we call on your name. And so, Lord, today as we leave this place, we take that name with us. It doesn't stay here. It goes with us. Your presence goes with us. And, Lord, we need that presence in our lives. So, Lord, we worship you, we honor you, we thank you for the words that we've heard today, the ways that we've been challenged today. And, Father, we pray that in the coming days of this week, again, we would remember and celebrate all that it means, but remember the price that you paid. And we thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for worshiping online with us. Have a great week. We'll see you at some point throughout this week, I'm sure.